This is getting better and better. So welcome to the Evolve Podcast, the podcast that disrupts your life to spark growth and evolution. Podcasting with the late, great Michael Jackson in his basement in Oberlin, <laughs> Ohio. Our resident intellectual himself is W. Miles Riley. Welcome, Miles. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Steve. And jamming out to the same Michael Jacksons in the mountains of Utah, I am Steve Cutler. And guys, we are fortunate today to be joined by Dr. S. Ryan Facer. Uh, Dr. Facer is a practicing endodontist and the co-founder of U.S. Endodontics Partners and Greater Endodontics. Dr. Facer is also on the clinical advisory board of Sun Endo and is the co-founder of Udo. Dr. Ryan Facer, welcome to the Evolve podcast. Yeah. Thank you for having well, me. We are, yeah, we are so excited to have you. And I know that uh, today is a big day uh, because at your company, you just kind of showed everybody uh, what this thing called Udo is. And by the time this episode drops, you will have released the beast to the world. Um, so I want to just dive right in. After being a practicing endodontist for what, over 16 years? Is that right? That is correct. So you've recently co-founded this company called Udo, which is a tech startup. So for our listeners who may not have heard of Udo yet, uh, tell them what, what is Udo? Well, you know, Udo, you know, it's an interesting word. It's an interesting word choice, right? Because it's really not an English Is it word. even a word? Yeah. It, a... It, you know, it, it does exist in other dialects across the world. <laughs> right. It means things in different cultures, but, you know, in an English dialect, an English language, it doesn't really mean anything, but it's like, uh, uh, that reminds me, what's the, uh, is it on one of the Marvel movies where someone says, you just made that word up. And then the guy says, all words are made up. That's right. Because oh, that's funny. I like that. All words are made up. <laughs> I agree with all that. words are made up. Yeah. Well, Udo is actually the name of one of my favorite film characters. There's a movie called Dinner Rush and uh, the son, his name is Udo. No. And ah. he, he yeah, and Dinner Rush, his, uh, Danny Aiello is actually a great, it should be to me one of the movies in the mob pantheon of great movies. But it's a Not father to and be son confused, thing. though, with your favorite band of all time, Menudo, right? <laughs> uh, no, it's Miles? not. I don't know where you pulled that from. It's not. You're welcome. <laughs> well, I actually believe there is a rock band in Great Britain called Udo. Seems like when we were trying to solidify the domain name, there was uh, some interest from a rock band in Great Britain. I don't know how, I've never searched them, but I don't know how big they are. I do know- A British that, garage band. <laughs> yeah, British garage band. That's right. But right. In, in, um, in, a, in, a, in a dialect, it actually means peace and calm. So there was a connection mm. to what Udo tries to represent for the healthcare system which frankly um, has been, you know, exposed as of late, obviously because of pandemic, access to care issues, and everybody's looking at things in terms of telehealth and telemed and portals and, and, and things like that. And Udo, you know, originated well before this. Um, it was, in essence, uh, Miles will love this because it's a form of a video player, actually. Mm. So, yeah you know and it's not a youtube right it's not social it's actually encrypted it's hipaa compliant you know you have in fact 
in a lot of ways, our standards of what we're doing on it are, are more than what HIPAA compliance requires. But it's a way for you know a patient to to be in control of their health journey as they as they age, as they grow, as they get diagnoses, as they go from provider, they change jobs, they move. You know, no institution can sort of lay hold to that, and that exposes a huge problem in America, right? We you can go to the big, you know, the big powerhouses, the big names, the Mayo's, the Cleveland clinics, the you know whatever they may be. Um, but when you look at a fundamental flaw in our system is there's a miscommunication problem. And that, that comes at a cost of a life in a lot of situations. Oh, wow. Yeah. Big time. Yeah. And so, you know, and to solve that, we, we sort of frame it up like that miscommunication <clears throat> is a disease and we're looking to be the cure to that. Yeah. Um, it speaks to my colleagues. It speaks to people in the, in, as a clinician, as a practitioner and, and the, and the fact it really creates this agnostic approach to 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 one's health, and you know, frankly, patients shouldn't have to. They don't necessarily have to understand. That's what roles or doctors are for. They they should, but they don't have to. But to be empowered with what what it is that they're doing and why they're going to the next provider or why they need something, and and making sure that um, they're they're actually getting the care they need is what we represent for the public. Well, it's I also, think I also, isn't it also a lack of communication? I'm like the miscommunication. Um, I was yes. listening to yeah. um, a program the other day, and this was tragic to me. I think it was about pancreatic cancer, and that all these different researchers would had were in touch with different aspects of pancreatic pancreatic cancer, but they were not in touch with each other. That is correct. Mm-hmm. And I would, and so, I would actually say the real dilemma is the fact that we as providers, we live in the illusion that the communication occurred, right? We know what yeah, we said right. when we said it, and we're expecting it to be distilled down. We're expecting the mid-levels to, to, to write it in the MRHR, to, to mm-hmm. pass it, to do the continuation of the message, but it becomes a whispering game. You know, it's like yeah. in the movies. And we well, yeah, and that's where it's all lost, right? Is yes. in this in this game where communication. What was it? Um, was it Bernard George Bernard Shaw that said that the uh, like you're talking about that the illusion of communication that it's actually happened? I could be misquoting there, but I, I want to go back right before we dive too deep into how this works into something that you said earlier because I think a lot of people don't understand this. So HIPAA essentially put says that you as a human being have the rights to your entire health story. Everything that a doctor has ever uh, taken a picture of, x-rayed, written about you with if it's regarding your health journey, it's yours. Is that right? That is correct. You know, but here's the problem to, to save that for, you know, substantial period of time, like seven years. But how many people out there actually have a place to house it? And if you go from one doctor to the other, what a pain in the ass. And I, mean, I can tell you from personal experience, trying to get information out of a doctor's office about anything is a huge pain in the ass to try and com- get all of that stuff together. So Udo, if I'm hearing you right, is partially about having is truly empowering the patient to say, Hey, you have all rights to this. We're now going to give it to you. We're taking the right, we're taking it away from the, uh, from the doctors and we're not going to make this uh, 20 hoops that you have to jump through in order to own your piece. Is that correct? That is correct. 
And, you know, and a lot of times the records, and again, I don't, it's not maliciousness, right? It's not malignant. No, of course not. It's just right. that it's difficult to do because everybody's a on system. the next patient and, or whatever's yep. going on. And, you know, and, and, and the, what's there, there's no context. So there's a little bit more to the story than just superficially saying, I got my record. So you got the notes, right? right? But yep. notes are as good as notes are written. And what's written is reason why you're on a podcast. Like a lot of times, like the intent in a note is lost. We know that from text games. We know that from mm -hmm. reading emails. And, and frankly, that's why something like this format actually would be way superior, right? But how do you do that? Keep it secure, which was the point of HIPAA. Keep it into the privacy of the patient who, who is the story is about. And it's nobody else's business unless the patient shares it. And, um, you know, like, how do you capture that? And some of those little secret sauces in that, in what I just said, is what Udo sort of filed patents on. And, and, and it allowed us a way to do set intent, which is capture intent, and then allow the next uh, provider in the, in the healthcare journey to be in context of the content of the patient's diagnoses or journeys or findings. Um, as well as make the patient aware of their own outcomes of a condition, true outcomes. Yeah. Things that like, yeah. I mean, how do you know really what doctor you want to go see? You can't go to health grades or Google reviews to, to find that because it's, it's sort of gamified, right? It's a marketing right. thing. It's really right. not a, a place for a patient to know who I want to really take out my gallbladder, you know, or who to do a root canal procedure on me. Right. Well, it really is tough. You know, I, it's funny. I've been, uh, on my audible queue lately, I've been uh, listening to Milton Friedman, who was a, uh, uh, a well-renowned econ uh, economist. And he, he actually touches on this in one of his books, where this idea that doctors, we choose them because they're board certified and that's it. Nowadays, we have Google reviews and we have all these other things, but we know that those things are, are gamified. And I also like what you're talking about, though, when I want to I want to take a step back to when you say there is no malintent in this. Uh, I truly believe that doctors are out there. They got in the business to heal people. But because the system is so large, it's a it, it's a system that doesn't quite function relative to the patient, not only owning their own journey, but really truly understanding this. And I think that that's probably no more um, uh, visual and visceral to us uh, than guys like us, where we we sit in this sandwich generation where we've got mom and dad that are getting a little bit older and we may have to get involved in their healthcare uh, journey. And we also have kids, right? So talk a little bit about how um, what you've created, what you've invented here can help to bridge that gap. You guys are in the sandwich. I'm the bread. Right. <laughs> now nah, you're the cheese. Uh, it could be the Maybe cheese, the but I'm getting whatever it is. I'm getting closer to the outer edge. You're getting close to the edge. You're not quite the crust. That's right. Maybe, and I and yeah. I and, and I have no meat. Tiago's only thirteen. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, you know, it's it's uh, you know, it's funny you bring that up. Like it is a real phrase, right? It's a real term, the sandwich generation, and the pieces of the bread or the outliers or our elders or geriatrics and and mm -hmm. you know the babies Thanks. of society. <laughs> never thought and, of myself as a resembles that. We're yes, all in good company, right? Because you can look we're at We're gonna start calling you Jerry. Yeah. 
you can look at demographics of the United States and you can see the demographic, you know, where there was this boomer population and that supported the, the aging population and it was somewhat of a pyramid. And now it's sort of this colonization when you look at the U United States demographics. So we're, we're, we're living longer, um, we're having less kids right. and the demographics are truly changing, which is another whole host of sort of economic questions in that statement. But we're green in America, in other words. So it's an easy way to explain it. We're just green in America. We're getting older. And mm -hmm. um, what's happening is they're going to their kids for help. The kids are staying connected to their parents and wanting to understand as mom and dad or aunts and uncles age. And, and there's, there's pressure put on somebody of working age where they have kids of, the, kids of their own. They have a full-time job. And they're trying to distill down what happened to dad at the doctor's office. And, you know, dad always says, well, I'm fine. Even though I got diagnosed with cancer, but I'm fine. You know, or mom. And, Which is and actually happens a lot. A level of understanding, the emotion of what they're talking about. Yeah. And then you have to go try to back end fill everything. And then HIPAA blocks you, works against you. Like, yeah, but this is mm -hmm. dad. Mm -hmm. Well, dad's got to go be there with you. And you can't be at an appointment because you're working the job. And so some of the cleverness of Udo solves that specific problem. And, and it's kind of cool. Like when you look at demographic or you try to build a, a business plan around something, I mean, I mean, there's like 10,000 Americans turning, you know, 65 for the next nine years. And wow. then the baby boomer generation's over. Well, you know, that alone sustains the, the call to action that Udo really wants to represent and, and we originally thought that would be what we would go to market with. The reality of it is every provider that's seen it wants to be a beta tester, wants to use it because it kind of self-fulfills their interest, right? Because they want to be a better communicator, right? I mean, think about it. You go in for surgery, it doesn't matter what, from head to toe. The best time for a doctor to tell you what happened is right after they did it. Right. Because right. they got other right. patients. How can they remember everything if it's the next day or the next week? And that's the exact wrong time for a patient or their loved ones to hear that information because think about it. If they were in for a major surgery, they're just glad they're alive. And then they just turn off and forget the second they walk down the stairs of what the doctor just said. And then all of a sudden it's like, well, wait a second, what comes next? You know? Well, um, and that's a really personal <clears throat> thing. You know, I, I, I feel that uh, to my core for a couple of reasons. I've got one brother, as you know, who is a, uh, a heart surgeon. And he says, Steve, I go see my patients. Um, when they wake up, I talk to them, I check in on them. And every single time I come back the next day and I say, so, you know, here's what we talked about yesterday. And they don't remember me even being there. Now I've got another brother that when uh, rewind several years ago, he lost uh, part of his finger in a boating accident and we had the conversation. I remember my mom, my dad, and I walked in after the surgery. We thought he was coherent. We had this conversation with him, and we had to tell him that he lost his finger. And we all sat there and sobbed and cried together. That's not how he remembers the story. What he remembers mm -hmm. is that he found out that he lost his finger that very next day when he woke up and the nurse told him he lost his finger. Well, imagine if Udo was functioning in that space, that could have been, that conversation could have been captured. The, 
you know, they, these moments, these memories would not be what they were. And I know when I've, I've been really fortunate because I had a chance to come and watch you work and see what you do as an endodontist. And then also see how you incorporate Udo in your communication. And you can tell by watching the body language of people who are sitting in your chair who get finished with a root canal. The first thing they're probably thinking about is, why does my face feel so funny? <laughs> because yeah, I'm numb. The second thing is, do I look as funny as I feel? And what's been great about seeing you utilize Udo as, a, as an endodontist is, there's this great confidence knowing that when they leave, they know exactly what's going on and they can always go back and look at that video archive. So uh, what an amazing tool that in these moments of life where people are scared, they're afraid, it's been a traumatic situation. We're bringing care back into healthcare with Udo. What a, what a phenomenal thing. Well, you know, and doctors, they're looking for this way to reconnect, right? When you like talk to your brother, right? He's doing heart surgery, you know, the patient's sedated, they're alive, but they feel lifeless. You're in operation mode, you're managing risks, you're perfecting your techniques. And then you have to learn to reconnect back to humanity, right? Like then you got to turn right. that doctor right. off. You got to reconnect and they want the chance to reconnect. The problem is they can't do it two weeks later. It's impossible. The system doesn't right. allow when you could feel this bond. And in this virtualization of these captures that Udo creates, it's, it literally represents that bond and that burnout that providers feel sort of goes away. You start finding enjoyment in, in, in the good work that you do. And, and like I said, the, the whole miscommunication thing is not really malintent. The system just almost breeds it. And, you know, and, and the solutions that industries have done is gone back to that EMR level of, of fact finding in recorded formats, but there's no soul. So EMR for our listeners means what? So it's an, you know, you can call it an electronic medical record or electronic okay, health record. There is a nuance between the two, but in all intents and purposes, it's where your information is stored, right? Where and everything is just typed up and yeah, and there's not one universal very clinical. Right? Yeah. 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 So what what Udo does is it gets rid of the cold clinical side and it creates a connection, but there's also a clinical aspect to it as well, because this becomes the new way for people to connect and for people to see what's going on in their in their medical journey. Well, yeah. And then they can, they can ascertain like trajectories of health off that perspective, because when you actually so, context the procedures, especially if something's surgical, like let's talk something very simple, like a wound, uh, a, a chronic wound that's healing on, on the lake and mm -hmm. you watch it heal over time through, through this novel way of communicating and, and observing healing changes. Well, that alone is a game changer because you'll be able to discover if why am I, if I age and something else is going on in my life and all of a sudden I can't heal like I once did. Why? And you can start looking in for unintended consequences and other, and other diagnoses or other treatment remedies or, or something that's in the lifestyle or behavior. And, you know, it kind of, it kind of is one of the things as I was looking you guys up on the evolve concept that I really resonated with. It's just, it's sort of this, 
not this reactionary pocket approach to healthcare, right? It actually mm -hmm. looks as people as people. And then when one doctor affects another or one drug affects somebody else, I mean, you know, and dentists and, and behavioral health and podiatry and chiropractics, there's all these other disciplines that are sort of not actually inside the medical umbrella. They're all, we're all healthcare providers, of course, but we don't communicate because we don't have the ability to communicate. And sometimes there's unattended consequences where, you know, you can put somebody on a certain kind of medication that shuts down their salivary glands. And next thing they know, they got tens of thousands of dollars of dentistry going up. And mm. there could be an alternative choice, an alternative remedy if, if people really knew that statement, which is true, by the way. But if doctors knew or at least gave them the ability to disseminate the information that they have and that they could share. So that's fascinating. You bring up something. I want to, I want to jump back to what you said earlier, um, because I, I think I heard a stat um, and correct me if I'm wrong, that there is a, what is it? A, a half a million people or so that die every year because of miscommunication yeah, or lack is that thereof. About right. Yeah, yeah, lack thereof. And then, but let's take those half a million people. Then let's pile on the amount of people that are having complications, yep. like the shutdown of the salivary glands, like you're talking about. Um, how many of those things are we causing? I mean, that would be astronomical in my mind to look at it and say, how many things are we causing because of lack of communication or miscommunication? Yeah. So what let, me a, what ask, a, uh, let me ask, because I'm a little confused as a, as, a, as a regular person. How does Udo specifically work? Is it an app? Is it what exactly? How does it work? Yeah. So like with everything social, when you have the connection in your palm of your hand called your, your smartphone and okay. it's an application, which then means it can be encrypted. It means it can be controlled. Even if somebody's on your phone, there's another layer of control because it's your health. It's what you hold most sacred, right? It's the story. Okay. 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 Um, and then because you have control, it's almost reversing the order. It's almost like, yes, providers participate. They can communicate, but so can you. You could have the onus to capture what you needed through the tools that are provided and the technology self builds a journey or a story or in medical speak, a case or a record or an encounter um, okay. that you can understand. And then as questions come up or new opinions get put into place or just life happens and you're trying to, to understand what affected what, all that information gets told in the same sort of story thread contextual. Okay. And then- okay. You know, there's this there's this thing in medicine and all all healthcare providers which we call a soap, and it's not the soap you watch your body with; it's an acronym. Milo's <laughs> doesn't use that soap, so it's okay. Yeah, well, yeah, that's right. Well, I'll tell you, soap stands for subjective, objective, assessment, and plan, and it's just a protocol. Like, so for instance, we've all come to the doctor and they ask, "What brings you in today?" And you tell them why they're there. That's a form of a subjective question. Most people will call it a chief complaint question, and that gets recorded. And then you do your objective findings. You maybe you take your temperature. You you do your 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 objective findings of that's associated with the chief complaint. And then you make your assessment about it. Like what do I think is going on? And then you make a plan of action. Maybe a prescription. Maybe it's a follow up care. Maybe it's a referral. 
and and that's a code that everything follows just and that's why people always ask every time a new provider comes in they ask almost the same questions and patients get frustrated mm-hmm. that like, I, I just answered that how come you don't yeah. know that like i just did it yesterday in your same building you know and so mm-hmm. it's the technology has a way to aggregate everything together in such a way that exposes the, the most relevant information um okay. to, right. to the next person in care and, and more frankly to you as the patient right and i think part of what what's fascinating uh to me as i've seen this is it's intuitive you know i we, when you think about you talked about the smartphone in your hand smartphone usage really took off when they became intuitive you know, I loved my old BlackBerry, but I've got to be honest, there was not a lot of intuition with the BlackBerry. It took some learning to get uh, proficient at it. When the smartphones became intuitive, it didn't matter what generation you were a part of, you then became a smartphone user. And I think that what's part of what I've seen that's great about this is the intuitive nature of it. And it allows you to continue to follow your journey. You know, Ryan, I want to talk a little bit um, about where this idea came from, because this wasn't something that a year ago you woke up and said, hey, I want to disrupt the medical industry. Um, this has been something that's been sitting there uh, in your soul, in your mind for quite some time, isn't it? Yeah, you know, honestly, it's been as long as I practice endodontics and, you know, everybody's got an origin story to things. And you know, I, my, my fourth child was born with a tumor and we didn't understand the diagnoses. We didn't understand what was going on. You have emotional brain going on when it's your infant son, it's less than a year old, it's hospitalized. Mm-hmm. And you're, you're trying to back in Phil and you're watching, you know, practitioners practice and you're watching clinicians do their, what they're trained to do. And when it's not good enough, when it falls short, you, you start trying to understand what can we do different? We can't just do the insanity principle. And I was caught in kind of that rhetoric and being educated, being a doctor, knowing how the system worked, had to go outside the system and sort of, sort of fight for my, my son's care that, you know, could have been very, very life, like traumatic and life ending. And it actually caused me to move the state I was living in chasing hospitals to, to find such care that could sort of understand his, his sort of, condition and you know when i when I, I good news is i made it through it just fine he's doing fine he, he's 12 years old he's doing great but it it forever changed me because it exposed everything we were talking about and i was educated i understood i i was within the system if you will and i just didn't want that for anybody else candidly that's all it was i mean the best way to care for somebody is to provide the tools to allow better care in my mind I'm, I'm limited to the craft and the training that I have. And, um, but this is something for all of humanity. And, and, and frankly, people are people. It doesn't matter what country you live and what your language you speak. And the fun thing about technology is it's scalable when you do it in a mobile application format. And so, you know, these aren't things that are limited to U.S. citizens, right? We see this as a worldwide play. We see a lot of humanitarian efforts in this. Um, sharing of general knowledge. Believe it or not, there's great surgeons and great techniques outside of the United States that U.S. doctors can learn from and vice versa. It's a two-way door. And so if we can really connect 
providers and make it around individual stories where we know how we can help or not help. It opens up the, the opportunities of like second opinions and, you know, other perspectives of things to really get to that holy grail of better outcomes of our better care. So this is like the democratization of medical information. I think <laughs> that's the same thing I've said. I'm glad you, you came to that same thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, when you think about it, he's shaking his head. I assume he agrees. Oh yeah. I totally well, when, you, when you think about it, I mean, when, you know, I was reading and I remember when they said that we talked about this a couple of weeks ago where the printing press came out, they, you know, all of a sudden six million Bibles were printed and, you right. know, and, and then, in our generation, we've seen, or our lifetimes, we've seen the democratization of just information, period, whether it's used for good or bad, but information's exploded. And now it seems like that democratization, from what I gather you guys are talking about, is headed to be more specific and targeted, in, in this case, uh, medical information. You know, I remember a nurse when I had my surgery in Utah, my throat surgery, um, it just... It, it didn't resonate, but I really wanted to know what she meant when I was looking for a doctor to perform the surgery. She, she told me I was leaving the hospital, you know, looking and she said, you have to be an advocate for yourself. And I remember it scared the shit out of me when she said Absolutely. that, <laughs> you know, so I can see how. Go ahead. You go ahead. Doc. Yeah. And how do you know to answer that question? Like Google? Right. You gonna yeah. Go to WebMD? Like it's not there. And so that's right. kind of the point. The best way to understand that is in this journey perspective and, you know, connecting to, to those who have had the procedures that, that can give you good advice, that let the outcomes speak for themselves. And, you know, frankly, this information's out there. You just can't find it. Like the regular right. person can't get access to it. Right, right, right. Yeah, and I, I think you talked about earlier that, part of the power of Udo is it's about putting context to everything. Context is king in everything we do. If I can put context around something, I have understanding. If I have understanding, I feel at peace. If I have peace, I make better decisions in life. Talk a little bit more about how Udo creates context for each one of these cases, or as you're calling it now, stories. Well, you know, that's the, like I said, that is the, that is the sort of soul of what Udo is. It's the context is King statement. And in that statement, there's an interesting outcome, an interesting byproduct. People become better patients. Doctors become better caregivers. Mm -hmm. And it's a, it's a win-win. There's, you know, you can come into a doctor paranoid, doing tons of homework. And all of a sudden there's so many like, well, what if, what if, what if this? where you're more rambling everything you looked up and not listening to the doctor or letting the doctor even have a chance to disseminate it. And a lot of that is, it's not constructive, but if they right. actually knew what was going on and if, if the right information could be expressed and they could understand why the last doctor triggered you to go do your, your, your tangent, or when you went and grabbed all your records and spent money and time and hours to get 120 pages off a fax machine that you're like, how do I even read this now? It causes so much stress. So from the patient's perspective, if there was context of what the trajectory was, what the journey was, what the diagnosis was, what was going on or wrong, 
And the doctor could pick up on that and add value added. And it could be a different perspective, but it could also be just bringing Udo, bringing that piece to the situation so the patient could say, okay, this is what I need to do now. I, I know I didn't want to swallow that medicine, but I'm going to swallow the medicine now. And it's not mm-hmm. snake oil anymore to me because, I mean, historically we have that in us, right? Like there's been a lot of things that have happened, like the snake oil joke, right? Like it, it's crazy, but you know, not, there's not one thing that works for everybody. And unfortunately it's a, we don't have all knowledge of one's care. Like we don't have, we still have to practice medicine. Everything has a differential, which means there's only one right one. All the rest are wrong, but they were a good attempt to whittle down and to try to discover the true element. And um, the better we can do that, the better the quality of life. And, you know, when you think about it from a practitioner's perspective, when you get that for a living around the clock, um, it's easy to get burnt out. And then when you have an institution and the payer obligations and all the other sort of things that make the machine work, it gets to be very frustrating. And one of the alarming stats are doctors don't want to continue to be doctors. They're they're retiring, they're quitting earlier. They're not telling their kids to do what dad or mom did. They're, mm. they're not paying it forward. They're like, if you're really smart, don't be a doctor. Go be something else. Go into tech. You know what I mean? It's like they're yeah. saying, like, it's just there's <laughs> Make money that somewhere quality. else. Yeah, that quality of life balance isn't there. And part of the gift to providers is that statement, finding a better balance for that. I mean, you know, back in the day, the truck drivers got it out. That's why they got rest stops and log books. So they knew not to drive too much, but doctors mm. don't work like that. And it's, it's something to consider, right? Like, how do you really find that balance between what you're capable of doing, where your peak performances are? And then, you mm. know, it's lifestyle because everybody deserves to have a life at the same time. I want my, I want my doctor rested. I want my doctor to have a good well-being. Um, I used to train a woman in Salt Lake and boy, she was, she was a doctor. She was going through hell. And she told me one day she came in and she said, so now what they did, because apparently she owed them this organization money, she had to cut back the time that she could deal with people from 30 minutes to 20 minutes. And then they added extra people that she had to see. She, in other words, she had to meet a quota. Yeah. And she would come to the gym stressed and beat. And I just thought, imagine me going to see her. I didn't know she was a doctor. Well, I had, didn't have a relationship with her in the gym. She was just a doctor. And I went to see her. And here's, here I am, the 20th patient she's seen. And I get 15 to 20 minutes with her. Like I, sometimes I wonder how we got here with this, this kind of corporate medicine as opposed to, you know, when I was a kid, Dr. Carrington would come to my house. Yeah. And honestly, I love that you said that because that commoditization, Udo wants to end that and mm-hmm. literally get back to what you just said. There's actually enough in the system where providers can can be, you know, emotionally and monetarily rewarded. And there's enough in that where patients actually feel the value. They actually feel they were taken care of. And it's interesting because it goes back to context. It in our mind, it really is the solution, and we're willing to build a product about it around it. Wow. Well, I read something some time ago that said that the number one reason people sue doctors for um, 
malpractice has nothing to do with what happened to them, but it has everything to do with how they felt about the doctor's reaction. They, most people say, yeah, I understand my doctor is human. He's, he or she is going to make a mistake, but it's all about whether or not they felt cared for. And so if the care is not felt, people were, I can't remember what the statistic was, but it was mm-hmm. significantly higher to bring some sort of malpractice. Um, you know, so I, I love what you're talking about relative to the peace that it can bring a doctor and the peace that it can bring the patient. Now I can imagine because when we're recording this, you are in the final throes of getting this thing off the ground. So you probably don't have a hell of a lot of peace. Hopefully by the time this episode drops, you will, but I want to kick back a little bit to a time when you probably had a little bit less peace, because I think that there was a moment in your life that caused you to put the foot on the gas and say, let's run like hell for this. We got to go faster. You had to deal with a health scare um, not too long ago that forced you to push a little bit harder in business. Um, talk a little bit about what happened there. Yeah. You know, when you, everybody's human, right? We all can get hurt. We all could get sick. And mine was a traumatic injury, you know, put me in the ICU for 10 days. We had some internal complications with bleeding and transfusions that really, you know, frankly kicked my butt and stopped me from, you know, like literally in my tracks for a good six months before I could even make it back to like a clinic or back to my office. And in that experience, it, 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 it exposed a lot of these topics that we're talking about. Um, these journeys were already started. The concept of Udo had already begun, but it gave me around the clock focus because my purpose was I can't do what I normally do. So let's do this. And mm. yeah, that was, that was quite traumatic. And, you know, again, like even when you're a provider, when you're in the patient role, um, it's an interesting dichotomy to, to really try to build a product around both states. And so mm-hmm. um, it was pretty insightful and it, and it did accelerate the Udo's product. Like as far as our dev time on things, it got us to uh, our beta testing, proof of concept testings, feedback, and it pretty much every discipline we could get to every sector of healthcare that we could get to in that time frame. And we did, we found universal truths between all providers, some of which are the topics we're discussing, some of the others, but man, talk about purpose and reward that, I mean, it was ironically the hardest time of my life where I felt like my identity as the type of surgeries that I do were taken from me to then the most rewarding time of my life in the fact that, you know, we're going to empower providers to, to, to master their craft and have patients sort of find them in into what they really need to be, you know, found in. And if that makes sense. And, you know, interestingly enough, now that I'm back and healthy and I'm doing both, I don't know which one I like. I like more. It's really fun mm. watching this thing take off. Um, so yeah, things happen for even maybe you just don't know why things happen, but um, yeah, it was, it was dramatic, but rewarding at the same time. But I think for our listeners, a lot of the times, um, the, the challenging things in life, we want to look at them and we say, man, that sucks. And not to put some softener on it to say that it doesn't, but uh, sometimes those challenging things, those curveballs of life 
are the moments that push us in a direction, uh, a completely different direction, or they say, all right, buddy, it's time to run harder in the direction that you're already going. Um, it disrupts our life. And I think that, uh, you know, what you're creating and what you've created with Udo, it's going to be a disruption to the system. And disruption is not bad. It just means that uh, we, we probably are onto something. And we got to run like hell to make sure we get there. You know, it, it is a disruption is a fun word and in the tech space. It's like everybody wants to be a disruptor, right? Like it's like a cool right. thing. It's a cool tagline. And in healthcare, it's a little bit different because we're not villainizing any aspect of institutions and EMRs and doctors or anybody, but we are disrupting it because we're building it on a different level of technology. And um, so we're disrupting without breaking is what we like to say, because mm. we're fixing, we're healing, we're, we're, we're empowering through disruption, but the consequences are institutions become more efficient. Um, protocols get trued up. Doctors get more reward in their services. Um, patients get the care that they deserve. They're always in the know. They're always aware of what's going on. Family members, loved ones, powers of attorneys, whatever the situation may be, are aware in an asynchronous way that allows them to stay connected without even being present. And, and that's kind of the dream. That's the Udo dream right there. Yeah, what a, what a beautiful dream. What a great but on your website, on the website, out. the word disruptive is pretty prominent across the board. I saw authentic, I saw disruptive, dis dis disruptive. I think it was disruptive, you guys up there. So as a moniker, yeah. you got it out there. <laughs> well, you got to start somewhere. And it's, it, attracts, <laughs> it attracts the right personalities, the, the, the courage, the courage, you know, the curious, the, cur the courageous, the yeah. confidence, the confidence. Mm -hmm. Um, and there's a lot of people that say it can't be done, don't want it to be done, like the old ways, like you were talking about, you know, the printing press, and there's, you could go back to like the cotton gin, and like the yeah. anti-Luddites in, in, you know, European history, where, you know, mm. that technology, like disrupted everything, literally created the merchant class, right, from the king yeah. and the peasants, and, yeah. Yeah. you know, it's, that that kind of notion of the stop progress is well people lose and this usually the ones trying to stop it yeah well and that's yeah. a fascinating thing about any technological advances you know that uh, when those technological advances start to take hold there is this uptick i mean i'm reading a book like right now that talks about technological advance and uh what those uh s curves look like relative to how we evolve our lives and how we evolve technology and i think this has some uh, real staying power relative to communication but uh ryan this is not just about healthcare i know we've talked a lot about healthcare but uh, my understanding is that the Udo app itself, the one that anybody can download and utilize, it's not just for them to tell their health story, but there, there's going to be some other uh, opportunity for them to capture some moments here. So for our listeners who are maybe not in the healthcare space, talk a little bit about what that, uh, what the power is. Uh, you know, they're, they're going to go immediately after this episode and download it. So what can sure. they do with it? You know, it's it's everything you want and anything you want. It's interesting because the way that we construct storylines is true in every every narrative of life. We talked a lot, and Steve, you mentioned a lot and dropped the word moment, and I, that resonates with me. And I, I appreciate that because I 
I echo that. I, I feel that like life is nothing more than defining moments. Some are good, some are bad. And people have different perspectives of moments. You know, you were talking about in the healthcare setting, like you talked about your brother-in-law that lost his finger, right? But at mm -hmm. the same time, that could be about a, a moment of triumph in one's life, a rite of passage, a graduation, a state championship. But everybody has a different perspective. And wouldn't it be great if everybody knew how to like speak to that same thread? And so that communication dilemmas of understanding intent and perspectives and content and everything we kind of dropped, it's, it's every aspect of life. Like it's just fun. And when it's fun, it's great for sports. And when you're into sports, it's, it's great for storytelling. When you're telling your kids around a camp, you know, stories around a campfire, it's great for genealogy. When you're talking about family history and ancestry, it's, it's great for a boating event. You know, it's great for whatever mm -hmm. you're into, whatever your life takes you. And so we took the same code, we built a, spun up another database where it could, to do what we're talking about, and we do it in a way of, of living, of live, live content, live interaction, and in, in the framework of one's life. And so it literally is used and consumed however you want. Like, so for instance, Miles, you guys were talking about music and Michael Jackson on YouTube. How great if you had a story that could originate from that and just who cares what came next? Who cares how people connected to that? You, Steve, family, friends, the moment like, oh my gosh, I remember hearing this when I was a kid. And then you want your kids to hear that or your, your family or your friends to hear that moment when you, that was so defining for you. And you get a, you get a story tell to that song you were just talking about. And then the next guy goes, you know what? Actually, not you said that. Like I was over here and, and it's fun to see how things sort of evolve in in that framework and so you know it was like we watched doctors like in, in in protocols where it was allowed because we were testing elements of all this technology that we were watching what people would really do with it and you know people wanted to use it for personal reasons and it was mm -hmm. like man we might as well spin that up and so yeah to what steve was saying instead of just having this udo care product where there's a care account which is actually still true Let's uh, create um, an app that allows that same video communication technology and organization structuring and apply those principles to life. And I mean, it could go down to how you educate oneself, how you get curious about content or how you interact with and connect to people around you. And so it's pretty, <laughs> it's been pretty fun, Steve. It's been pretty fun. Yeah, I think about like when Miles, Miles and I, we talk on a regular basis about um, Miles likens it to like jazz players who just sit and they jam and they riff off of each other and they go back and forth. And I think we both agree that some of our best content never really makes a podcast. We just have great conversations and then we get done and one of us says, well, shit, we should have been recording that. Yeah. But with Udo, <laughs> we could actually record the way we bounce back and forth and go on these ideas, we could create a story, a thread, a stream, uh, however people want to call it, and be able to go back and forth. And he could say, hey, man, I just uh, found this, found out that this Michael Jackson song was a Stevie Wonder. Uh, Stevie Wonder wrote it. And I could say, man, I love Stevie Wonder because he knows that about me. And then we can layer over and over. And this becomes our life story we can capture these moments along the way and we can see what that evolution is i mean i'll be honest with you that 
yes, I want to capture my health journey, but uh, I'm more excited about capturing those moments because well, I, that's where I live my life. That's where the juice is. It is the juice. And it's what's fun about yeah. life. Like everyone has right. a backstory and they're actually sometimes the more interesting stories. Like I remember watching Netflix and it was like stories, movies that made America. Right? I can't remember the title. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. In, you know, I was like, they put Back to the Future up and just listening yeah. to the two Bobs <laughs> making that movie and the backstory where like, kid me, Mark, Marty wasn't Michael J. Fox at the very beginning. Like, it's just cool. <laughs> like, it's just interesting. Yeah. And, and um, but all of life is that, Steve. Like, that's, you know, because like your mom would say like, yeah, when you were a kid, you used to do that. And you're like, I know I didn't. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's just right. Fun to hear. right. And your kids love to hear <laughs> that kind of stuff. I had an well, interesting moment with my son this past week where um, his mother was out of town and I was with him. And um, he said, um, you know, we let him because I, he lives right around the corner from me. So we let him if she's out of town and I'm at my place, we let him have the experience of living alone. You know, he's 13, <laughs> but he's right around the corner. So he, he looked at me and he said, Dad, you want to come over tonight? And I said, yeah. He said, you want to spend the <laughs> night? And I said, I'll spend the night. He said, well, we'll watch a movie. So we're sitting up in the TV room and I said, what do you want to watch? And he picked Ferris Bueller's Day Off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm thinking? Rooney. When Ferris Bueller's Day Off came on, came, first came up, I was at the movie theater to see it. Mm. And here I have this 13-year-old boy who for some reason saw it. I don't know how he heard about it, but he wanted to watch that. So we cuddled up together and we watched Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Here I am 50 years older than my son. And here he is channeling a movie that I went to the movies to see, and he somehow yeah. found it on his own. And we just had this great moment of watching Ferris Bueller's Day Off. <laughs> well, like his dad, Tiago's got great style. What's <laughs> awesome about that is it's one of those, like, you wouldn't define that as, like, a triumph moment of life, right? Like, oh, it's not a rite of right. passage. It's, it's ordinary. Right. Right. But it was an right. extraordinary moment. And to literally like just narrate like you just did for your son and then have your son say like, oh yeah. And then his perspective comes to the story. And when you play right. that back, the right. technology has a way to weave those together. And, and yeah. then me, like I hear the story and I'm listening to it. I'm like, oh, I love it. And I'm all into your story because I'm like, guess what? My son, same son with the tumor that was born with gets up mm -hmm. in the middle of night, nightmares, throwing up sick, that kind of stuff. Dad turned to get up with them. We flip on the TV and guess what's on? Ferris Bueller's Day. Yeah. And, and not only that, I can tell you now that, I mean, I wouldn't even thought about yeah, this. I forgot awesome. this moment. But I hear you tell that and I'm like, you know, it was so crazy. I'm like living it. Like I'm remembering the Ferrari. I'm remembering ditching school. I'm laughing at Ed Rooney. And then all of a sudden, my son's wheels are like cranking. And he's like, you can do that? And it was so funny because, like, I saw it and oh, I started teasing him, like, hey, what are you planning? Yeah. And he's like, Dad, I need a day off. <laughs> and he was like, that's yeah, serious. And truth be told, this sucker, he figures out, because he's in this charter school, he's got a learning problem, but he figures out how to keep working on this fence to get him and his buddies out of school grounds and go jump in the trampoline. And that he's just, like, living me. life because he's like, man, it's just like Ferris Bueller's day off. Like, yeah, yeah. caught he gets truant he gets in trouble he gets all that and but it was so fun to like all that what i just did right i get inspired right, yeah. by you i have a moment in my life that resonates 
And wouldn't it be nice to carry a story thread between all of us about Ferris freaking beer? Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and that's the connection, right? I mean, that's where you you truly have the ability. We talk a lot on the Evolve podcast about evolving your tribe, and that's a tribal evolution. It's how do we evolve the tribe so that the stories are remembered? Uh, Miles, I got to tell you this story. So my mother-in-law tells a great story about uh, her son that one day she took him to the doctor, and uh, the, the doctor looked at him and said, now, Ryan is there anything else that's wrong with you? And little Ryan looks up and says, yeah, it really hurts when I do this. And he waves his arm up and down really hard. And the doctor says, all right, don't do that. And logical little Ryan looks and says, okay. And never waved his arm like that again. Is that a true story, Ryan? It is actually a true story. And so for those... Of our listeners who don't know, Ryan is my brother-in-law, and uh, that's a great story that uh, Ryan's mom has told our family. And I think to myself, how cool it will it be now that we can all share in these stories and, and in Udo, and that we can have and capture these moments because those moments are cool, like. But it's about the storytelling that brings them to life. And it's about remembering those stories. And it's about connecting through those stories that bring the richness and the juiciness of the relationships and truly creates that tribal feel. So I love what you've created. I am excited for our listeners to jump on, to download this app and to start to, uh, you know, to, to get involved in it. Uh, Ryan, your story really is a great story of evolution. You've been through challenges that have pushed Wait, you I, forward. I don't, I don't mean to cut you off, but I'm going to cut you off. So you I want to bring this full. I want to bring this full circle. <laughs> so you're talking about. So obviously, Ryan is Danielle's brother. Right, right, so, right, right. You can talk so about anyway, how Danielle punched you. I, I'm going to, I'm going to bring this right into this. If you notice on my back wall, I have all those boxing gloves up there. Never because tell you about the time she punched trade, me in the face. I used to trade Danielle in boxing at Lifetime Fitness. <laughs> <laughs> I got to tell you, I don't, Miles, I don't think I've ever told you about the time where she punched me in the face. They tell you that? I'm proud of, I'm proud of her. Go ahead. Tell the this story. was before she trained with you. I thought it would be a funny thing. We first get married and I thought what a funny thing it would be to pull a prank on her. I dumped cold water on her when she was in the shower. What I didn't know is that Danielle's biggest pet peeve in the world is being cold. It was the worst thing I could have done. And I just like pulled the curtain back to look. And I'm thinking this is going to be hilarious. She's standing huddled in the corner and doesn't even think, but her arm comes out and just punches me right in the face. I busted up laughing. I felt so bad for her, but I busted up laughing like, uh, all right, that's awesome. I knew to never do that again. In fact, if there's ever anything uh, in life that we don't like, we call it the cold water thing. She says, nope, don't do that. That's a cold water. Like cold water is now a code for us. So you huh. taught her how to punch better. And I have never dumped cold water on her because uh, she can punch a lot harder now. Oh, yeah. Well, Ryan, oh, you, yeah. your story... 
like I was saying uh, before I was rudely interrupted by my co-host, uh, <laughs> is one of personal evolution and growth. Uh, but I want to jump into our rapid fire questions because I want to talk a little bit more about uh, evolution and disruption. Uh, the way that no, we do it, rapid fire questions is. We're not doing that. We're not doing that tonight. Again? I, I prepared something again? special for Ryan. I prepared right. something special for Ryan. Okay. This is like an HQ, your humor quotient. I have a series of questions <laughs> I'm going to ask you to see how you respond to these questions. It's not before your IQ, it, not your EQ, it's your HQ. It's your HQ. Now, before I get into it, a quick story. I, talk, I was telling Steve earlier about synchronicity. My ex-wife was going through something with her teeth. Um, she had been to the dentist. They couldn't find it. She was in severe pain. She was crying. She would go to the dentist. They had no idea what was going on. She went to another dentist, nothing, meds and everything like that. And anyway, she she um, finally talked to one dentist and the dentist, the dentist said, I'm going to send you to a, a endodontist. We had no idea what an endodontist was. That night, Steve came to me. We were just having a general conversation and she and he mentioned my brother-in-law is an endodontist. Same day, after never hearing that term, her or myself, all of a sudden, there's the second time the term gets mentioned. So anyway, now that we know what an endodontist is, I have a little test for you to ask you a few questions about endodontists and other type of dentists. So it. what would an ectodontist be? An ectodontist? Yes, an <laughs> ectodontist. Well, it actually uh, is an old term for a guy that takes out teeth. Okay. Well, Ooh. the new term is a rare disease where your teeth are outside of your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> this is some of your what, creative writing, right? Yes. What is a hypodontist? Um, it's it's the teeth that are below your gum line, like below hypo. Hey. Oh, got that all one. right, all right. I'm a quick learner, That's... man. I got you. <laughs> okay. What is a hyperdontist? It is a don't is it a doctor that drinks too much caffeine? No, it's high strong excitable teeth. <laughs> <laughs> what's you didn't a, tell me what's a, I got two more. What's a paleodontist? A paleodontist? Yes. <laughs> um God, I'm trying to figure out what the what the riddle in that one is. I don't know, man. Give it to me. You were born with prehistoric teeth. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking that. And last but not least, yeah. what is a hypnodontist? It is Ooh. where your smile mesmerizes your heart. Oh, I like that. I'm going to keep that one, but I'm going to give you mine. A rare disease where your teeth are putting you to sleep. <laughs> I I like I like Ryan's better. Okay, so fire question, Ryan. Um, one word or one phrase to ask these. Are you ready to go? Yeah, man. All right, let's talk disruption. How do you disrupt your life in order to spark new growth? Sleep. Ooh. <laughs> well, I mean, my gosh, like you gotta, you gotta be, you gotta be on your game to do that, right? And, that is the yeah. best answer. That is not like any other answer we've ever had before. It really, I is. love that. It really, that is, is awesome. Yeah, cool. Okay, um, next one. How have you evolved over the years? How have I evolved over the years? Mm -hmm. Um, well, 
I think it's curiosity would be my one word. I'm a curious guy. Drives my my, yeah, the process, my journey, being curious. I love that curiosity. Uh, As you've evolved, what is something that you used to believe that you no longer do? I I I no longer believe we have prehistoric teeth. (laughs) Beautiful, beautiful. Final question in the rapid fire is how do you tap into your innate creative power? Ah, you know what? It goes back to the two things we said, sleep and curiosity. And it usually does. It usually happens first thing in the morning in the shower. Like you just kind of, you're well-rested, your mind's sharp. You're curious about something get out of the shower and I'm, I'm willing to go chase it. I love that. What a, what a great uh, breakdown. I will say over the years, the length of your hair has evolved. When we were younger, it was long and it went short. Now it's long again, but it's got the salt and pepper. So maybe that's the evolution. Yeah. Well, on that note, folks, it is. Yeah. Yeah. On that note, folks, it is time to wrap up another episode of the Evolve podcast. We want to thank our guest, uh, Dr. S. Ryan Facer, for joining us today and my co-host, W. Miles Riley. Uh, we've had a great conversation today, and we hope that you, our evolutionary listeners, took something with you that will help you on your personal evolution. So, Ryan, we've talked about the amazing power of what you've created here with Udo. What's the best way for people to follow your continuing ed- evolution and get access to this app? Well, you know, obviously it'll be through social. Hopefully it's through a provider. Hopefully people get it truly through care, which is where my personal passion lies. But you know what? We'll be found on the on the App Store or at your favorite concert or Michael Jackson concert. We'll make sure that's an Udo <laughs> moment that lives forever. <laughs> Beautiful. Stevie Wonder coming in as a guest. Well, right. thanks, Ryan. Uh, we really appreciate you joining us tonight. And folks, hey, do me a favor, will you? We Go smash those stars or the ratings on whatever app you're listening to us on uh, at the Evolve Podcast. It helps us to get more amazing guests like Dr. Facer to come on the podcast. Uh, and we really appreciate your comments and your feedback. Miles, what's new at Evolve? Well, I'm starting to see uh, more and more people with the Evolve Your Soul t-shirts. Um, it's a, a little bit of a hit. Um, that's the, show, the t-shirt that we've been featuring um, throughout the month. Um, tomorrow's the last, well, September 1st, we'll feature a new shirt. But this is the last day of folks get on over to the store and pick up an Evolve Your Soul t-shirt. The one thing that's always evolving is your soul, even when you are unaware of that evolving spirit. So... Going over, grab a T-shirt, evolve your soul, wear it proudly. And again, and guys, we want to thank share your shot for being with us. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, uh, Ryan, for being with us. Ryan actually has an Evolve Your Soul t-shirt. And guys, we'd love to see your Evolve Your Soul shirts. If you're out on a hike, if you're meditating, whatever you're doing, send us your shots. You can send those to us. Um, Follow us on Instagram at Evolve underscore cast or hit us up at uh, evolve-cast.com. Remember that it takes time and consistency to evolve. But first, you have to disrupt in order to evolve your mind, evolve your body, Evolve your soul and evolve your tribe. Hey, you're fantastic, but uh, now it's time for you to get out there and evolve. And evolve.